Good morning. So in this gospel, we hear about service, as well as in the reading from Genesis. And service is at the heart of what we do and, of course, who we are. Uh, This is true of us as the community of St. Paul's, as Episcopalians, and, of course, as Christians. It's in our identity statement, after all, seeking, serving, loving together. Serving is central to the gospel, to the witness of Christians throughout two millennia, and, of course, in the life and message of Jesus. Jesus taught that we will be judged according to how we serve the least of these. He said that he came to serve, not to be served. And just last Sunday, we heard Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, one of the great archetypes of service in all of human culture. And yet, it is precisely service that Jesus is challenging in today's reading. He's even critiquing it in some way. Uh, We get this in the famous story, of course, of Mary and Martha, another archetypal story, this time of action and contemplation. Now, in this passage from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus visits the friends, uh, visits the house of his friends, Mary and Martha, and uh, Martha goes on and tends to the housework, uh, presumably including preparations for, for Jesus, their guest. Meanwhile, we read that Mary uh, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. Luke writes that Martha was distracted by her many tasks. In the Greek language in which Luke was originally written, many tasks means much service. And indeed, serving is what Martha is doing, and she is serving the Lord not just as he appears to us uh, disguised in the faces of, of the people we meet, but as the historical Jesus of Nazareth himself. So surely this would be uh, to be prioritized over sitting and listening, as Martha's sister Mary is doing. Now, After all, Mary seems to exert no physical energy here, and as far as we know, she doesn't do anything to help prepare the house for Jesus. Uh, Martha would seem to be the honorable and praiseworthy one here. So why, then, does Jesus prefer Mary's sitting to Martha's serving? Well, Jesus, being the spiritual master that he was, uh, understands that balance is essential. The Buddha called this the middle way, not one extreme or the other, but two polarities in balance complementary, and mutually reinforcing. Perhaps this is what Jesus is getting at in his comments to Martha. When, When Martha complains to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? He answers, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Jesus here, as he so often does, creates tension or perhaps more accurately, what he, what he does is, is names inherent tension uh, hitherto unrecognized in order to move us beyond our ordinary, habitual, and limited attitudes and assumptions into a larger frame, into an expanded consciousness, a deeper, richer, and fuller participation in life. We can think of this as yin and yang, 
We can't have up without down. We can't have light without darkness. And we can't have an inside without an outside. And in this case, Jesus is telling us that we can't have fruitful action without silence, without stillness, and without listening. In the Gospel of Thomas, uh, non-canonical collections of sayings attributed to Jesus, he tells his disciples that if they ask you, what is the evidence of God in you? Say to them, it is motion and rest. Rest, because when we are too caught up in doing, we lose touch with being. And when we lose touch with being, we lose touch with God, and, and therefore we lose touch with life. We tend to get lost in, in a flurry of activity, looking for life and, and looking for ourselves in the passing effects and ripples of, our, of all of our activity, which uh, are here today and ultimately gone tomorrow, no matter how good and right those actions might be. The invisible God, who Jesus says elsewhere is spirit, cannot purely be known through our thoughts, or our senses, our actions, or speech. And if we lose sight of this, if we lose contact with this, we tend to lose our balance, and, and we find ourselves, if you will, in exile, cast out of paradise. Even if we're doing all the right things, even if we're doing God's work. Now, Jesus is so intent on this that he actually goes a step further than, than simply uh, making this a balance of, a matter of balance between action and contemplation. In response to Martha's complaint, Jesus makes the, the radical and, and even outrageous claim that there is need of only one thing, and that Mary... Space Cadet, Head in the Clouds Mary, has chosen the better part. Need of only one thing, really. Now, what, what kind of world would this be if everybody acted like, like Mary does in this story? If everybody uh, sat around praying, uh, may, maybe meditating, leaving all the work to somebody else? I mean, who would feed the hungry? Who would care for the sick? Uh, who, would, who would work for justice? Well, a resolution to this tension may be found when we look at where this story is placed in the larger context of Luke's narrative. Because right before Jesus' visit to Martha's home, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, which Brandon talked to us about last week. The Good Samaritan, of course, is a call to serve all of humanity, to respond to the suffering of others with compassion, patience, generosity, and self-sacrifice. In other words, practical and active service. And after speaking this parable, Jesus makes it clear that he intends the example of the Good Samaritan to be imitated when he says, go and do likewise. But as if Luke were anticipating the temptation to reduce, to flatten the gospel, to uh, service and activism, he places the story of Mary and Martha right after the Good Samaritan. 
And immediately following the Mary and Martha story is, is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. So it seems, it seems we have a movement here, a movement from active service to rest, to stillness, listening, and prayer. And it is this that Jesus gives priority to. Thomas Merton, the monk, mystic, author, and poet, illuminates the matter helpfully for us. He wrote that action and contemplation are two aspects of the same thing. Action is love looking outward, and contemplation is love drawn inward to its divine source. Action is the stream, and contemplation is the spring. The spring remains more important than the stream, for the only thing that really matters is for love to spring up inexhaustibly from the infinite abyss of Christ and of God. It is for us to take care that these living waters well up in our own hearts. God will make it his own concern to guide our action. In Christ, then, the seemingly disparate domains of life known as action and contemplation are perfectly united. Perhaps he is calling you to come and rest from your labors, to sit at his feet, and, like Mary, to listen to what he is saying.